0: Tree, you and me, Heritage Tree, a big family. Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. And I want to just sit with that for a moment something to be privy to if you're helping someone in pastoral care ministries or in community leadership or any work within any civic or nonprofit or government approach or role that you may have, you need to know that this narcissistic abuse is fairly at the center, arguably, of every single public health crisis we have. Triangulation is the teeter-totter, the chaos pivot of every single public health and safety crisis we have. In the list of David's mighty men, we read through it. And if you read through his exploits and hardships, Joab is the man. It's his right-hand man. It's his commander. It's the guy he talks to and sends out and does his strategy And you read about the resentment you see come out of Joab at King David's decision, at King David's plight. And what's the difference, I wonder, in that? Have you ever known someone and they've gone through hard things? They've gone through hardship, heartbreak, suffering, loss, pain, and sometimes instead of getting better it seems to get worse for them or they seem to get better for a while or in your congregation it's that person that everybody marks as the one who always needs prayer request or the you know the inevitable shunning that happens in just a triangulation of when we don't know what to do to help someone well king david took everything to god you read it in the psalms he will go through and he will lament and protest to God all of the enemies and all the hardships that have befallen him and then he will praise God but at my heart my soul my hope will be in you God I remember when you did this for me I remember when you did that for me you are faithful and true your steadfast love endures forever and ever let all of the people say amen whereas Joab triangulates. He takes his grievances, his resentments internally and violence. He takes it out on Abner. He takes it out on Absalom, King David's son, who had long hair and was hunting David to kill him. Absalom wanted David's kingdom. Now, this is so ironic because First, you have King Saul, who preceded David, who was originally anointed as the first king of Israel by God, by Prophet Samuel. Israel, if you recall in the story, they, they want a king, and the prophet warns them, hey, You get a king, you're going to have all the problems that you've seen all the other countries have. They're going to take all your food. They're going to take your kids. They're going to go to war. They're going to charge you taxes. They're going to do this, that, and the other injustice. Why don't you want God? Hasn't he been faithful? Hasn't he brought you out of Egypt and delivered you? You see, faith is a work. It's not just that faith without works is dead. It's that faith is a work. Faith is a real work to trust God when you can't see him working, when it doesn't seem like he is, when it seems like there's so much trial in your life and heartache and hardship. You're in this dark place and you're like, God, how much are you going to impress me even more? I mean, I know I want to be a diamond, but come on, a diamond in the rough. You know, I have... You can't push me past my threshold here. I got to survive if you want me to continue and bear witness to you. And this was not unlike King David's lament. Lord, how can I worship you in the land of the dead? <laughs> how can I brace you if I'm dead? I need to be alive. Please save me. Heal me and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved. King Saul was delusional because he was jealous of David. That jealousy drove him to insanity. That jealous rage again. That I'm tall and handsome and above the rest, head above the rest, but I'm going to hide in the luggage over here because I'm so scared of my duties. And yeah, there's this giant over here, but I'm going to hide in my tent and let a little child go out and slay it. And I'm going to laugh at him until he proves to my face that his God is greater, not only than Goliath, but me and my leadership. You see, King David, when he took his laments to God, when he chose to trust and hope and have faith in God, That was all ways to worship God. He was saying, God, you are above. I am below. We are all equal. We have a different spectrum of experience, but no one is better than anybody else. No role, no title, no paycheck, no distinction. And even in the New Testament, the writers go into this, there's no difference between Jew or Greek male or female, but Christ is all and in all. Amen. Absalom was not unlike King Saul. He wanted his dad's leadership. He probably despised it. Maybe he was taking wrong advice. And if you read the text carefully, you can find out who were the influencers. And in his case, it may have been some friends and it may have been some peers. It may have been other influences in the life again, triangulation. When we allow other people or our circumstances or even our own thoughts, our own attitudes, our own things speak to us more than God, we are silencing His voice. We are closing our ears and creating dizziness and chaos in our lives that makes it heavy and difficult to endure and stand up under when challenges come and it makes it feel unsettled and uneasy and even empty and unsatisfying when it's just a day-to-day and you can look at someone else and you can mark yourself by how you respond to their good fortune or their good tidings by the work of providence in their life whatever word you want to use When they have a baby or when they get a new job or when they get married or when they get a new hairstyle or when they lose five pounds or when they gain 10 pounds of muscle and you look at them and you want that too, what do you do? Do you take that to God? You say, God, please forgive me for coveting. Please forgive me for my jealousy. Please bless them and thank you for blessing them. And maybe, Lord, if it's your will, that can happen to me too. And show me the steps I need to take to get to that healthier place. Do you use it as a mode of conviction in your life to do the real work, to put work to the faith, to work to the vision that you saw someone else cast for you, by the way? Or do you go to God and say, hey, God, was that you? Is that what you want for me? Or do you have something else? Please show me what you want for me. Please guide my steps with my health. Guide my steps with my intimate relationships, my friendships, my family, my coworkers, my business, my entrepreneurship, my nonprofit, my leadership, my po- politicking, my socializing, my fitness, my health, my nutrition, my child, my children that are here yet to come. God, what is your vision for me? Please help me cast it. In- God, God, great spirit, what is your vision for me? Please have mercy on us. We need to hear from you. How can we accomplish the best life you have for us without your Holy Spirit living in us, without your life, your breath in us, without your vibrancy and your joy and your love and your faith and your hope for the future? How can we be positive? How can we be kind if we're not at peace? Calmness allays great offenses. Was not Jesus in all of his pain, suffering, and sorrow on the cross apparently calm? Did he not say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? Did he not witness to the thief and bear witness and choose to not respond to the ridicule of the mocking crowd and the mocking criminal beside him did he not choose to bless and save the thief who believed and he said today you will be with me in paradise did he not keep his hope even though as he said father father why have you forsaken me did he not still call out the name father did he not invoke the relationship that was still there even if the father turned away it was not gone Did he not still hold fast to his faith? Lord, Lord, do we do the same? Or are we so quick to drop it when trial or adversity comes, when we hear something hard that someone said or did about us or to us, when our health suffers, when our finances suffer, when our relationship with family or friends suffer, what do we do? How can we stay steady? How can we maintain calmness at LA's great offenses? Well, Joab didn't maintain a calm. He flew off into a jealous, vindictive rage, and he also criticized King David. Why are you mourning all these men? Fought for you. Go out and celebrate. Well, he was mourning his son, and this was the second time David would have to pull himself off the floor after mourning the loss of a son, a beloved son. Maybe a tiny glimpse of the mourning that God did on heaven's floor for his son. Maybe God turned his face away because he was grieving. He was grieving the loss of his son and he could bear no more to look at what his beloved adopted children did to his son, what his created world did to his son. Maybe that's why God turned away and it wasn't just the sin, it's the effect of it and how gross it is. For temptation leads to Desire leads to temptation, temptation, sin, and sin, death. It is a process of decay. It is a process that takes us away from God, and all because of the jealous rage of one fallen angel that spilled over and infected an entire people, an entire world. Even in the scriptures, the Apostle Paul writes of creation as groaning, as in labor, as in childbirth. Pains as it's wanting to release itself from this bondage of sin. It's wanting to release itself from this decay and this endless cycle of abuse that it's enduring at the lack of stewardship, I might add, that people do to the earth. Well, Joab killed, he killed, he murdered Absalom. He didn't save him, like King David asked. So it's interesting. It's intriguing. It is man drama to the extreme of King David mourning on the floor the loss of his son. And Joab, having had done it, telling him to pick himself up, get off the floor. Your people deserve better than this. Is that not a hidden jealous rage? Is that not a statement? what was not being said. Sometimes when you read scripture, you've got to look in between the lines and see where it fits in our life and our times. We put the word in context. There are so many people who almost get militant and hostile and enraged, and their eyes change to anger and fear, and they almost don't see you anymore. And they get so enraged over defending their beliefs as if their beliefs were weak as if someone were stealing them. Well, guess what? It's not someone, it's the enemy. It's this, again, triangulation. What is that? When someone gossips, when someone takes something out on someone else, a husband yells at a wife, the wife yells at the kid, the kid kicks the dog. I mean, it's that stereotypical process that we joke about, but we only know about it because sometimes we might do it. It's not going to the source. And in this saga, the source is God. The source is he is the one who gives life. And this is why King David was a man after God's own heart for many reasons, one of which he saw after God. He saw after God's heart, what God wanted, and he did. He went and did it. He did the work of faith. He lamented. He cried. He trusted. He worshiped. And then he picked himself off the floor and he did it again and again For many, many years, mind you, long after he was anointed king of Israel. Does that speak? Are you in a rightful place in your life where you have authority? You are someone's mother. You are someone's sister or brother. You are someone's friend. You are a wife. And you have every right to be jealous if your husband is cheating on you. You have every right to want the best for your child and want to defend and protect them. You have every right. To have a good reputation as a mom in your circle of family and friends. You have every need to have community and companionship in your life, just like most of us seem to do. You have every right, but that is being targeted by someone who sees something in you through no fault of your own, and sometimes through mistakes of your own, that they want to take revenge, they want to inflict you. They want to knock you out and take you out so that why why did cain do it so that he would remain they created the greatest most ridiculous ad hominem attack ever that's what murder is it's trying to make someone go away instead of taking it to the source and we are not god we have no right to say who lives or dies who receives or doesn't receive social support, safe love, basic resources that we also need. We have no right to say who receives and who doesn't. We only have the responsibility to do the real work. And that's what narcissism really is. Narcissism really is an affront to love and an affront to work, a rejection of responsibility to do the real work through all this scheme, through all of this confusion and all of this fancy sauce that is so exhausting and soul draining and vampiring. And if you ever have a person like that in your life, they don't target everyone the same way. Everyone else will help them implicitly or explicitly target the person. We need to be wise to Satan's scheme and not repeat this in our life because it is so damaging and we can do better with the Lord's help. We can be better lovers of our neighbors and enemies and ourselves and each other. Now all these years, Joab helped King David. He was by his side. He fought all these battles. He didn't always fall out but near the end he sure did he even murdered a person who came as an emissary as it were a high official and you can read about the name of this person he murdered this person who came to make peace between Israel and Judah basically he was attempting he came to to King David and King David and and his men talked to him listened to heard him out and decided there would be no more civil war. Well, what happens? Who goes out, hunts him down, lies, says come back, he forgot to tell you something or give you something, and then murders him? Well, there went the chance for peace. That's political intrigue. More man drama. After all those exploits, who is excluded from King David's list of mighty men? Do you find the name Joab on that list? If you do, comment below. If you don't, I'm pretty sure you won't. It's not there. And who is in it? Who is in it near the end? Who is in it? Uriah the Hittite. He put Uriah in there. Now that's interesting because King David chose to tell Joab to do that dirty deed And King Joab did a couple big, huge, dirty deeds to David, including murdering his child. I mean, but he swaps them. He puts the man who truly was more righteous than both of them put together, it seems. War can do funny things. I've heard the saying, have you heard the saying, no one comes back from war? It means, if you think about it, there are people who perish and there are people that it changes them. And if you are a veteran, if you are someone who's fought in a war and you're hearing this message, you probably know better than I do what hardship and what impossible decisions need to be made on the battlefield. There is no ethics matrix, really. And you're put in a situation that's bigger than you. Unfairly so, arguably. There is no just war, war is war. And we are in a time when people are, groups of people are easily triggered. People who would normally be more pacified, more thoughtful perhaps even, more quick to think, that just the color of a vote defines my identity. It defines whether or not I'm better than. We can be so confident, self-righteous, that it can turn into self-absorption. And anytime you do that, it's so easy to be wrathful at someone for, for coming too close to that bubble, for poking it and popping it, as it were. What areas in your life do you feel are that trigger what topics do you avoid talking about with people I know they say just don't go there just don't talk about religion and politics and there are some really neat groups and nonprofits that are working hard to actually create deliberately these dialogues with the intention of putting forward the way of Jesus as more important in terms of how we treat one another Then who wins the argument of the day? Calmness allays great offenses. Where do you want to be more calm in your life? Today. Where do you want to be, where do you want there to be more calm in the world? Tomorrow. What upset yesterday, if any, in your life needs repair? Today. What can you do to take it to God first? And I'm preaching to the choir on this because this is actually a habit I'm trying to reinstate in my life. I used to take everything to God since I became a Christian when I was six years old. I've talked about this before in previous episodes from a pulpit ministry at a church that my grandma helped start, very family style, and... The pastor talked about John 3.16 in heaven, and my dad at home said the prayer with me on an old burlap couch from the 70s, and I got up and danced around the room with great joy that I was a Christian, and my mom came in perplexed. What's going on? I was normally more quiet. (laughs) What joy, what possibility, what hope can a moment of calm give us? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for being with us. Thank you that calmness allays great offenses. Please bring calm and peace in in our minds, our hearts, our eyes, our ears, our hands, our feet, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our ambiance, our hospitality, our home. Please restore peace and goodwill in us so that we can be at peace and then spread peace wherever we go that we can be peacemakers blessed by you, God, because our times sorely need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below. And inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.